Hello, friends. It's been a year. I was masochist enough to write another annual report. It is my pleasure and pain to present for the sixth year in a row the Masari theses for the year ahead. This report started as a tweet thread on New Year's Day in 2018. Along with the rest of the crypto industry, the theses has exploded in size and complexity ever since. I write it because it highlights the amazing work the Masari team has done throughout the year, and it helps me update my own mental models for crypto. And I write it for our customers, new and old. Whether you are a crypto novice or a multi-cycle veteran, I hope you can glean some interesting tidbits from this 201-level crypto crash course. As usual, a couple disclaimers before diving in. Number one, this report is free, but nothing herein is investment advice. For all the legal yada yada my lawyers made me include, see the disclaimer section of the bonus chapter. Number two, I stand on the shoulders of giants. I borrow liberally from other authors when they write something more insightful than I can deliver. I link and cite others frequently, but any accidental plagiarism is unintentional and will be corrected promptly. The price of speed is a looser edit, but I work hard to link the primary sources and get this polished. Number three, transparency matters. I have made angel investments in some private projects discussed in this report. Any personal investments in public tokens that are referenced are marked with a star. My core public holdings have been confined to Bitcoin and ETH this year and lots of USDC. You'll notice a couple of important differences between this report and last year's. For starters, this one is slightly shorter. The crypto markets have consolidated, and I have concentrated on the themes of greatest and at times existential importance. There's still plenty of content on the new exciting toys, but I will assume some prior knowledge and link frequently to last year's report or our analysts' excellent research when it comes to explainers. The macro and political backdrops are much different today than they were 12 months ago. I wrapped up the 2022 report when interest rates were near zero and crypto markets in the S&P sat at all-time highs. We didn't have a single proxy war with a nuclear-armed adversary, and we had Democratic leadership in both chambers of Congress. Portfolios are down 80% since then. Crypto startups are required to have business models before VCs cut checks, and nine-figure checks might begin to include broad oversight. The separation of money and state feels inevitable as countries are getting canceled. Real policy is taking shape in D.C., and the outlook for regulatory progress is somewhat rosier. Is this the dark before the dawn, or the beginning of a long Arctic winter? I believe in crypto. Bitcoin and Ethereum seem to be on a long-term stable ground. DeFi will take major strides forward next year. Privacy tech will be promoted as an integral part of the future of public blockchains, or get de facto banned on dystopian and vague national security grounds. Infrastructure investments around code security, decentralized hardware, virtual worlds, custody, protocol governance, and blockchain scalability are all in vogue. There will be less NFT speculation, fewer moon fumes. I will probably spend more time in this report deconstructing crypto policy than you would like, but I'll make fun of important people along the way to keep it zippy. Once again, this beast took me 200 hours to write. That's a lot, but it's also down about 20% from last year. I thank the Masari Analyst team for those cost savings. They write good stuff daily for Masari Pro subscribers, and you should sign up. If you're an institution or crypto startup, stop missing key insights. Our enterprise-level offering give your company the research and data tools you need to save more time, energy, and long-term compliance costs on day-to-day crypto work. In 2022, Masari tripled our team size and revenue in a down market. We closed a Series B launched several new products, asset intelligence, protocol metrics, data apps, 
and double the size of Mainnet 2022 in NYC. We're still hiring. Come with me if you want to live. Every year, people ask how I write all this stuff in such a short amount of time. Mostly, it's a labor of love. I'm grateful to have the opportunity to build in this industry, and we appreciate the builders who have supported us through thick and thin. This report is a token of appreciation. But if I'm being honest, there's also a certain amount of rage that fueled this report. The bad actors have gotten all the oxygen this year and set back the good actors and years of progress that they have made. I hope the thesis shifts the focus away from the frauds and the Taurus and back to the pioneers. I wrote this in the pioneers' defense. Cheers, Ryan, a.k.a. 2-Bit Idiot. Book 1. What Happened in 2022? Section 1. Top 10 Narratives and Investment Themes Last year I thought Web3 was a good, all-encompassing term that captured cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin and stablecoins, smart contract computing, Ethereum and other L1s, decentralized infrastructure networks, video, storage, sensors, non-fungible tokens, those being digital identity and property rights, decentralized finance, those being financial services to swap and collateralize crypto assets, the metaverse, the digital commons built in-game-like environments, and community governance constructs, or decentralized autonomous organizations. We're down 80% since then. Ever since we pivoted to the Web3 moniker, there's been industry-wide carnage. So I recommend we retire the term. We need to get back to crypto in 2023. More personal wallets than exchange margin accounts, more privacy than institutional adoption, permissionless financial and social applications versus Ponzi-nomics. If you're new to crypto, I also recommend you check out Bloomberg reporter Matt Levine's recent Crypto 101 masterpiece that was recently published as an entire Business Week issue. Building off of Matt and the prior Masari work that has freed up headspace for my new original content without leaving newcomers in the dust. It makes sense to start with a recap of last year's introductory narratives and investment themes chapter and see what held up. How did last year's report do under the stress test of an 80% decline in prices and an absolute bloodbath for crypto startups? Pretty, pretty good actually. Here's what happened in 2022 and what's in store for 2023. Section 1.1. Winter is here. It's time to build. Last year, I started out with a bang. My first prediction for 2022, things will get worse before they get better in the real world. Inflation will remain about 5% throughout 2022, 70% confidence, while late-year interest rate hikes stall the stock market's momentum and hurt growth stocks, 60% confidence, the S&P dips next year. Though I waffle on where we are in this particular cycle, the tailwinds remain strong and the capital markets flush, so my probabilities are split among three scenarios. Number one, most likely we'll experience a blow-off top before the end of Q1 2022 followed by a shallower but still painful multi-year bear market. Ironically, the most bearish case here, Q1 blow-off top, may be the most bullish long-term. That's more or less what happened, and the speculative mania is now behind us. A lot of people lost money in 2022. Some poorly managed companies went under, normal in capitalism pre-2008, but many survivors are well-capitalized and shipping product. The core theses generally remain unchanged, and now we're left with true believers and long-term builders, fewer gamblers, scammers, and tourists. I live for the build years. We can focus on building life wraps for those worried about inflation and currency debasement, exit technology that helps people vote against two-party systems and authoritarian rule alike, and decentralizing solutions that check the incumbent powers in tech, finance, and government. 
the core substance of crypto hasn't changed. In a world where few, if any, of these institutions are viewed as both competent and ethical, crypto offers a third path that seems increasingly credible despite its volatility. Need a globally accepted asset that you can store in your head just in case you need to emigrate from a failing country? There's Bitcoin. What about a platform that routes your app around big tech sensors? There's Ethereum and a multitude of emerging layer one protocols. Can't access credit? There's DeFi. Hate 30 to 50% take rates for artists? NFTs. Trying to fund research for your own rare disease cure? DAOs. This isn't boosterism. Even Bloomberg's Matt Levine, a crypto skeptic, sees the potential, saying, perhaps this is the self-referential sinkhole for smart finance people. But honestly, it would be weird if that's all it ever turned out to be. If so many smart finance people have moved into the crypto financial system, if they find it so much more enjoyable and functional and productive than the traditional financial system, surely they'll eventually figure out how to make it useful. The debate doesn't really center around whether crypto could be good these days. Like most other areas of tech, crypto can be great or can be abused. It all depends on the specific product, the ethos of the builders, and the rollout strategy. If tokens help solve the cold start problem of network effects-reliant businesses in their battle to disrupt incumbents, that's a good thing. Good token designs will look more like growth capital than seed funding. My litmus test has always been, does this token create an early user base and improve the product, or does it primarily reward the founders and VCs? Tokens only work in markets where network effects could exist. Otherwise, you're transparently partaking in a multi-level marketing scheme. Do the knives get better when Cutco sells more of them? No. Most people lose time and money getting sucked into the machine, and it's annoying to friends. Does a crypto product get better when more people are added in terms of liquidity, user interactions, and or application interoperability? Yes. If a token can accelerate a product's time to usability and reward its beta testers, it's a powerful tool. Let's build more powerful and sustainable tools this winter. Speaking of powerful tools, have you heard of Masari Pro? Masari Pro is a one-stop shop for all your crypto data and research needs. Get up to speed on new projects and find hidden market opportunities with Masari Pro. Through January 21st, 2023, get 10% off a new Pro account with offer code DCS10. Section 1.2. Crypto is still inevitable. It's easy to be bullish in times of euphoria, but you only see who's got staying power when the tide goes out. It's been a bad year in many respects, especially for the greedy, the levered, and the unethical. The long-term builders may have been temporarily hurt by association, but they haven't been the ones who perpetuated frauds or fleece investors. These investors, open-sourced software and infrastructure developers, will be here long after the trash. Opaque lenders, trading bucket shops, Ponzi-nomic promoters, genius VCs, and paid hype men from the cycle are long gone. And good riddance. We'll talk all about the crypto credit bus in Chapter 3 on CFI. Beneath the wreckage is a stronger foundation than we've ever had before. Tens of billions in capital, an influx of world-class talent, four years' worth of demographic change towards digital natives, and dozens of zero-to-one innovations in crypto scalability and application primitives. Crypto remains inevitable because we made significant progress in the build-out of Bitcoin, stablecoins, distributed computing, blockchain scalability, decentralized financial primitives, and governance structures. These innovations will not be uninvented. Bitcoin has entered its historic buy range by several measures. 
Stablecoins now represent four of the top 10 crypto assets. Their volumes rival global card networks and banks, and they can actually generate sustainable yield now that the true risk-free rate of return, U.S. Treasuries, is above zero. The merge, the software equivalent of the moon landing, went through without incident, and other layer ones like Cosmos, Solana, and various roll-up chains made significant breakthroughs as well. Fees are way down as a result. We're two years into a secular bear market for DeFi, which still faces technical headwinds and regulatory challenges. But the core primitives, automated market makers, flash loans, protocol controlled value, etc., are all here to stay. NFTs are data wrappers that open doors for secure sharing or transactions of any intellectual property, synthetic asset, consumer digital good, or identity token on-chain. They may look like toys to start, but they are almost unfathomably important as a technical primitive. We now have true DAOs with on-chain voting, delegation, and community treasury management. These entities cross borders and allow for the rapid formation and wind-down of online communities and collectively managed property. We may be in for crypto's third inning, but DeFi, NFTs, and DAOs have barely stepped into the batter's box. Don't get discouraged. The dream lives on. Section 1.3. Surviving Winter. Redux. You heeded my advice last year, right, Anon? At the absolute height of the bull market, I wrote about what exactly would happen in a crypto winter and warned that the medium-term concern for me was from what height do we crash, even if I was neutral in the short term and mega bullish in the long term. I've lived through multiple crypto winters and warned that many would lose faith amidst a multi-year grind lower in asset prices, stark political and regulatory headwinds, and stagnating user enthusiasm and product demand. I take no pleasure in saying I told you so, but... In addition to eating big paper or real losses, you'll see people have breakdowns, go bankrupt due to over-leverage or poor tax planning, quit otherwise promising projects, turn nasty, depressed, or apathetic, and generally lose sight of the long-term potential of crypto. To make matters worse, the next bear market will be a regulatory nightmare, and we won't have the bull market vibes to help defend ourselves against all the consumer protection, fraud and abuse, systemic risk, ESG, and illicit activity FUD that our enemies will throw at us. At the same time, the grassroots crypto herd will thin because it's tougher to wage war when you've lost 90% of your savings and need to go find a real job again. Do you still believe? If you're reading this report, there's a good chance you do, but are now wondering how to best navigate a prolonged winter. The answer is as simple as it is challenging and unglamorous. Build. In many respects, it's easier to build in bear markets than bull markets. There are fewer distractions, real product market fit becomes easier to identify without the noise of a token, and the weak and flaky contributors wash out of the market. There's also a big difference between this crypto winter and previous cycles. Dry powder. In 2015, cash was hard to come by, and even some of today's industry leaders struggled to raise capital at the time. Kraken and chain analysis are two unicorns that come to mind. In 2018, there were a few crypto-curious investors, but many of the projects who raised money via ICOs had squandered their balance sheets by holding ETH through a 90% decline. There are bridges to build, standards to set, primitives to develop, users to onboard, infrastructure to stress test, and product stories to tell. There's no rest for the weary, and if you played your cards right, you unwound leverage bets, paid your taxes, didn't get greedy day trading, and parked some assets in cash for a rainy day. 
You're probably feeling okay right now, despite the market backdrop. We'll survive in advance and look back on this year with pride, because we survived. What else would you do anyway? Go work in a bank? Section 1.4. How low can we go? Last year I asked, doesn't it feel a little toppy, and tried to show people just how far ahead of our skis we were getting when it came to crypto asset prices, and how close market caps were getting to what looked more like 10-year total addressable markets. The drivers of asset prices were blinking sell, but many of us just couldn't help ourselves. Let's flip the script this year and ask, how much lower can we go? Number one, Bitcoin. My favorite metric for Bitcoin from cycle to cycle has been market value to realized value, or MVRV. It has been nearly infallible as an indicator for how hot or cold the market has gotten. This simple ratio looks at current price times supply, or market cap, versus the cumulative realized value of free float coins, those that have moved in under five years, at the price at which they last moved on-chain. Market cap can stay the same when realized value spikes, and vice versa. It's a dynamic measure that accounts for flow. An MVRV that hits 3 has meant sell right now, and an MVRV below 1 has meant start accumulating for crypto's entire history for Bitcoin. Where are we now? January 2015, December 2018 i.e. sell a kidney to buy more territory. Bitcoin is beginning to act more like a credible neutral reserve asset. We'll talk more about this outside money concept more in the Bitcoin section. From both an MVRV and a risk return standpoint, Bitcoin seems a bit more attractive today. Bitcoin's parity with gold would yield a 25x return, so there's a lot to like in adding a 4% position in digital gold for every ounce of gold you buy. At today's prices, Bitcoin gold parity would bring us a $500,000 Bitcoin. Number two, Ethereum. Is ETH a tech platform or a distributed bank? A little bit of both, perhaps, but I'd argue the network is more comparable to the latter. The best comparisons to Ethereum on the tech side might be to AWS, Google, and Microsoft. After all, the protocol is a virtual machine and a world computer, but its economic drivers, Mevin transaction fees, and unit economics, financial services basis points versus cloud margins, make it look more like Visa or JP Morgan. There's nothing wrong with that. Ethereum is already a top five financial platform if you look at financial services, and ETH has become a disinflationary asset with its merged proof of stake, minimizing the dilutive impact holders will experience going forward. The question is whether you think there is enough real value flowing through the Ethereum platform today and in the medium term to justify a 5x in valuation that would catapult the asset beyond financial services and onto the big tech leaderboard. I grok the favorable post-merge Ethereum economics, but I don't see a scenario where ETH leapfrogs Web1 giants anytime soon. Too much of Ethereum's current transaction processing is finance and trading related, and DeFi's unit economics will face pressure in a high inflation, high interest rate environment. Apple's P&E is 23 and growing. Microsoft's P&E is 24 and growing. Google's P&E is 16 and growing. Ethereum's P&E is 195 and its revenues are shrinking, with protocol revenues near multi-year lows. The crypto market is still giving ETH simultaneous credit as a monetary asset relative value to Bitcoin and computing platform, cloud startup multiples, and a yield generator, financial stock thanks to staking. If any of those three narratives cool, it will face headwinds. Long Bitcoin dominance? Three, other layer ones. 
The other thing to consider in the ETH bull case is the network's potential substitutes, of which there are now many, though none have yet emerged as true peers. ETH currently enjoys a 70% plus market share in what we'll call the neutral L1 space, netting out Binance's BNB token. In other words, there's about $155 billion of ETH and $57 billion of other L1 assets. Whether you think that's right or not will largely depend on how excited you are by the various other L1 networks locked market caps and value capture mechanisms. The venture and insider ownership of Solana, Avalanche, and Aptos tokens, for example, are still quite high. Will selling pressure hit those networks once supply unlocks? Likewise, value capture for other all-L1s such as Cosmos remain unclear, though recent efforts have been made to fix that. Will any other L1 developer ecosystem catch up? Will any rival Ethereum's unit economics as a high-value settlement chain? The relative value trades all come down to business development wins, app distribution, and recruiting wins. Can you attract developers to build on non-Ethereum blockchains? The Ethereum killers may have the money to compete aggressively, but as an investor, your choices are to either pick winners or buy the basket. Short Ethereum L1 dominance? 4. DeFi The entire universe of free-floating DeFi tokens currently trades at less than $15 billion. That doesn't even crack the top 100 banks by market cap. DeFi's market share of global financial services is a measly 0.2%. Meanwhile, total value locked, or TVL, a measure of user assets deposited into a protocol smart contracts, in DeFi is just $40 billion, barely enough to crack the top 50 U.S. banks by assets, and a shade bigger than infamous Nashville juggernaut Pinnacle Bank. Perhaps we are finally nearing the bottom of DeFi's trough of disillusionment. It will be a long road back to DeFi summer 2020, but positive regulatory developments, improvements in contract security and development best practices, and lower transaction fees thanks to scaling breakthroughs could make DeFi one of the best risk-reward sectors of crypto for years to come. Remember, the core DeFi protocols were built during the last bear market. Number 5. NFTs any given NFT project can go to zero, but NFTs as a data construct will eventually wrap around tens of trillions of dollars worth of assets. We're at about $8 billion today, so there's uh, room for growth. But I'd rather be long picks and shovels infrastructure businesses versus specific projects in the NFT space, as almost nothing I've seen has established a fundamental driver of value beyond art and the jury is still out on which art will have staying power. You'd better like the JPEG enough to hold it forever versus flip it. 6. DPIN Decentralized Physical Infrastructure Networks, DPIN, or Token Incentivized, TIPIN, which I don't like and refuse to use since it sounds like a NSFW government agency, will be one of the most important areas of crypto investment for the next decade. Storage solutions like Filecoin and Arweave Decentralized wireless networks like Helium and other hardware networks are critical to the industry's long-term viability. They could also disrupt an absolutely ginormous set of monopolies. Legacy cloud infrastructure is a $5 trillion global market cap sector, while DPIN is just a $3 billion market cap sector for crypto players. Not a bad sector to spend time in. We're tracking it quarterly. Section 1.5. Bear Market Building 
If bear markets are for building, it begs the question, what should we build? For context, let's start with some history. In 2015, the answer was Bitcoin trading and custody infrastructure, and dozens of billion-dollar companies were formed to provide the on- and off-ramps between the crypto economy and legacy financial system. In 2018, the answer was decentralized applications, and dozens of large DeFi, USDC, Uniswap, Aave, NFT, OpenSea, Punks, ENS, and decentralized infrastructure projects, Filecoin, Helium, The Graph, were incubated during the depths of winter, while Ethereum and the entire ecosystem of L1 and L2 blockchains emerged to satisfy demand for on-chain block space. Look at the biggest problem areas in 2022, and you'll likely spot the sectors that will spawn the next unicorn solutions. Want to solve systematic risks? We'll need investments in disclosure standards. I'm sorry. Proof of reserves and on-chain monitoring infrastructure? And crypto's gap accounting moment to discern fundamentals versus greater fool investing. Want to solve hacking problems? This year was a disaster for on-chain hacks, whether it was poor smart contract design, economic model exploits, governance deficiencies, key security issues, social engineering attacks, and more. Solving security issues at scale with AI monitoring, algorithmic circuit breakers, etc. will be huge. Want crypto financial markets to be competitive? Over-collateralized lending isn't too appealing versus legacy finance. But you can't have under-collateralized lending without major default risk, unless you can leverage new identity and reputation primitives. Want to ensure Amazon or Google or Apple can't shut down crypto? We still need scalable decentralized hardware networks, jailbroken device app stores, and decentralized data marketplaces that begin to siphon data from our soon-to-be unstoppable AI overlords. If you aren't too creative, but you are entrepreneurial, you can always follow some of the biggest VCs in the space and ask what they wish existed. A lot of them publish requests for startups, which provide a great starting point to get your creative juices flowing and find areas of interest and potential founder market fit. How can you not be excited to build? The spoils are there for the taking. We just need the right teams to get going and create the markets. Have you explored our protocol services offering? Our protocol services team provides top crypto projects with long-form research, standardized financial reporting, and a platform to get fundamental information into the hands of the broader crypto ecosystem. Section 1.6, Decoupling of Cryptos. Back to the basics. This has been a good year for the fundamentals enjoyers. For years, Bitcoin and Ethereum investors have grappled with how best to fairly value their ecosystems without much financial precedent. But we actually have real data and tools to support today's asset valuations today. Did you know that you can track quarterly financial statements directly from the blockchain for 40 top protocols? Or did you know that you can essentially front-run the SEC's obsolete financial reporting process and predict a confidence interval for Coinbase trading volumes simply by looking at Uniswap and adding 40 to 60%? Or that you can confidently say that we're now back down to just 13 decentralized applications with $10 million in run rate revenue? Ugh. The next cycle will be driven by real usage and sustainable protocol economic models. And the data above is freely available to anyone who knows where to look. In fact, we're investing aggressively in the build-out of better protocol metrics. 
we think it's time for a GAAP or IFRS standard for crypto assets. Learn more about the on-chain apps we're building and join us. By the time the regulators figure out what disclosures should look like for the crypto economy, this will be a fully solved problem. Value investors and consumer protectors rejoice. Next cycle's rally just might reflect fundamental user adoption, and it will be free for all to investigate live. Section 1.7, VC. There's still money in the banana stand. A quote from the late Jessica Walter as Lucille in Arrested Development. It's a seed round and a fruit protocol, Michael. How much could it possibly cost? $10 million? In all of 2021, there were 247 investment rounds into centralized infrastructure startups, 500 investment rounds into decentralized infrastructure and NFT startups, and 218 rounds into CeFi startups, representing $28.5 billion in total funding. In the first half of 2022 alone, there were 183 centralized infrastructure investments, 596 in decentralized infrastructure and NFTs, and 186 in CFI, representing another $27.4 billion in total funding. Only the DeFi sector total deal flow was slow, from 348 in 2021 to 226 in the first half of 2022. But there too, its total dollar funding eclipsed the 2021 full-year numbers, $1.9 billion in 1H versus $1.7 billion in 2021 but the slowdown became real in the second half of the year. Crypto venture markets have come crashing back down to earth in 2H, and we're on pace for a 70% plus reduction in investment dollars versus the first half. The total investment pace has slowed as well, and there's less dry powder for later stage crypto deals. The companies that raise in 2021 and 2022 should have lengthy runways, if they're smart. That capital is fresh, which means it should last an average of another one to two years at minimum, but I'm not confident that many up-only founders will make the adjustments necessary to survive beyond then. The venture markets for more mature companies will likely get more ruthless in 2023. It's put-up-or-shut-up time for Series A-plus companies to demonstrate their businesses are fundamentally sound in spite of the bear market and its pressures, and we expect to see a significant reduction in deal sizes and pace. We'll see if 2021's Chad investors stay Chad's but the startup winners might be able to take advantage of some epic M&A opportunities. Masari has completed several tuck-ins this year, including VC tracker Dove Metrics, which collects fundraising data, part of our enterprise package. 2021's fund vintage capital deployed at all-time highs at the tail end of the zero interest rate environment is unlikely to look very pretty. But now that reality is set back in, it might not be a bad time to deploy capital professionally. Section 1.8, the macro rebound versus the dumpening. Everything so far in this report has assumed that the bear market will continue for the foreseeable future, and there is no V-shaped recovery for the crypto markets. I think that's a fairly safe bet, but one, it's still all about macro and regulation. The resting market sentiment is that we will have a recession in 2023, with some debate over its potential magnitude. The market also seems to trust that central banks will continue to tighten until inflation is under control. Though contrarian, there are some investors who think it's more likely that the Fed will pivot once the recession really gets going and accept multi-year high inflation in lieu of a depression or global reserve currency crisis. 
If that's the case, then physical commodities like gold and oil would perform strongly, and digital gold and digital oil might follow suit. Macro forces led the 2020-2021 crypto bull market. It led to the 2022 collapse. Why not the 2023 recovery? Number two, we don't usually predict the next major market catalyst in advance, but I'd keep a close eye on the 2022 developer report from Electric Capital for a peek at where there might be kindling for the market recovery. On the other hand, we still have a number of negative potential market shocks. One, for Bitcoin, miners are puking just about everything they mine to cover operating costs and debt service. That's predictable weekly selling pressure that shows no signs of abating. It is likely that the Mt. Gox bankruptcy proceeds, 137,000 Bitcoin, are distributed early in 2023. And although it wouldn't hit the Bitcoin spot market directly, it's plausible that DCG and Genesis might be forced to sell up to $60 million in shares of GBTC per quarter for the foreseeable future. 2. Ethereum's post-merge supply dynamics are disinflationary though it's unclear whether the tax consequences of post-merge staking rewards will lead to significant spot-selling pressure in the market in order to cover liabilities incurred from staking income. Even though miners' selling pressure is a thing of the past for Ethereum, this new tax-selling impact is new and difficult to predict. 3. Beyond Bitcoin and ETH lies a mess of project-specific selling. L1 and DeFi tokens with large token treasuries that unlock for founders or early investors for selling of positions held by bankrupt funds or collateral held by distressed lenders, poorly designed tokens that suffer from economic death spirals. We'll get into some specifics later in this report, but for now, know this. There is currently more than $50 billion worth of supply that could theoretically hit the $250 billion long tail of assets. Section 1.9. Buyouts versus Bankruptcies. It's hard to believe how bullish we were last year about the slate of upcoming crypto IPOs. BlockFi was a rocket ship. Circle was going to SPAC. Blockchain, DCG, and Kraken looked like they might be next. GBTC seemed to have a fighting shot at approval given the SEC's approval of several inferior futures-based ETFs. Instead, in the past few months, BlockFi filed for bankruptcy. Circle pulled its SPAC. Blockchain took an emergency down round, Kraken has laid off 30% of its staff, and even DCG might be on the brink due to levered share buybacks and a disastrous six months for its lending subsidiary Genesis. I mean, Coinbase debt is now yielding 15%. None of this is great, but it does present a compelling potential entry point for larger institutions who believe crypto will have a long-term role in the global economy. If you believe in crypto... Doubt that you will be able to innovate your way into a market leadership role organically and believe that your compliance and regulatory cloak position you well to clean up a technically sound but operationally inferior crypto institution you might want to shoot your shot in 2023. Fidelity or BlackRock might like DCG in a distressed buyout situation. JP Morgan might jump at the chance to lob in a hostile takeover bid for Coinbase at just 5% dilution. If the institutions were indeed coming last year, then you have to wonder whether the barbarians are at the gates and Wall Street is ready to execute a slow takeover of crypto. I'm not saying that I particularly like that future. I'm just saying that it could happen, and it's looking more plausible by the day 
that this downturn could end up proving to be the bridge that institutions on Wall Street and in big tech needed to integrate crypto products at scale through M&A. Section 1.10, Copy-Paste Investing, or Disclosures. For an in-depth look at the biggest winners, losers, holds and likes for TBI and the rest of the Masari research team, please refer to page 23 in Masari's Crypto Theses for 2023.